Welcome to episode 726 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righty, I team, welcome along to episode 726 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James. Oh, so how you going, mate? I'm good, Bevan. Today's weather report is raining again. Well, what was really interesting about today, actually, John, was you arrived early. And, yeah. and John is a funny man because he always complains about late people. Yeah. This show, he's not the most punctual person. No. And it's pretty rare he arrives early. So he arrives early. I'm thinking, oh, John's a bit early. It's, it's unusual. He opens the door, he goes, can I use your, your loo for number twos? Number twos. <laughs> he goes, I need to go to your downstairs toilet because I don't <laughs> want to bomb the top one. We're getting our bathroom done and the plumbers turned up a little bit early today and You're really I, I can't put them through <laughs> this, so Bevan's going to have to take a hit for the team. <laughs> Luckily, we've got a toilet that's well away from the studios, so <laughs> I talk is proudly brought to you by... Our fantastic patrons. Okay, I'll go Michael, uh, the Jammer, Dirksen. Uh, Aiden, Mr. Mu- Mulan. And we've got Jennifer, Triple Jump, Edwards, and these are awesome patrons of the show. Team, in this week's show, we've got some news, we've got Hot Topic of the Week, Age Group of the Week, we've got an interview. We've got Kelsey Wilthrow, who is a pro you will have seen coming up in, name coming up in the results 2018-2019, some really strong performances, and uh, had a bit of a roller coaster ride from 2010 to 2020. It's been, it should be an interesting interview. Yeah. Uh, Wing of the Week, questions and answers. John... Thorsten, let us know what happened here because you had an article up and it's disappeared. And we're not quite sure. Maybe it's a conspiracy, maybe it's JFK conspiracy happening behind this one, John. But basically, there was kind of a press release that I don't know if it was meant to be a press release, but we got an email from one listener saying this is what Andrew Messick's been sending out. It was actually from Dave Scott's. Yeah, so basically they sent out a, an email to all the pro athletes giving them an update on on how they hope the season might unfold, but very much saying it was speculative, saying we don't really know what's going on, which is totally fair enough. Yeah. They said, if we get some racing later on this season, um, this is how we envisage the pro qualifying taking place. And just as a vague sort of summary, it was more saying that the, the allocation for Kona slots and for remembering that Kona is in theory going to be happening in February will be based on where the athletes are based. So for example, um, in Europe, I think there was like 47% of the athletes are in Europe, so they're going to get 47% thereabouts of the, the slots and whatever events they have over that way. Um, if you are say thinking about Ironman South Africa, that would normally have lots of slots as a regional championship, yeah. but because there's so few athletes down there, if that race takes place, there'll be few slots there and the same was going to apply to prize money it would be centered around um, where the athletes are one really good point that they did have in there is they were going to change the structure of the prize money and making it less top heavy and trying to spread the prize money a bit deeper so trying to help out those sort of you know second tier sort of pro athletes which I think was a was a really uh, good move um, so it's going to be it's it's not a perfect system and who knows if we're going to get any racing whatsoever um, just thinking you know for our Kiwis and Aussie athletes which we probably have less pro athletes but the standard is quite a bit higher than yeah. say maybe in America where you've got you know a lot of more second third tier pros which go oh there's so many races I might as well race as a pro because you tick the box and then you um don't have to pay entry fees for races and so on if you're a pro. So um, 
but yeah, we'll just have to see how it pans out, really. Well, I think one thing that's interesting about it is um, I had a thought then, John, it just totally went out of my mind. Totally went out of your mind. <laughs> I, 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 uh, no, I can't remember. I've gone can't totally remember. blank. Yeah, so I thought I saw this morning another race, Scott Canned, Ironman Louisville, which was not scheduled to be until October. So the reality of much racing taking place, I think, in the States is, is diminishing. Uh, certainly there'll be some, I'm sure there'll be some racing in Australia, um, and they've got quite a stacked schedule for later in the year. So maybe not so much in Victoria, but up in Queensland. What's uh, the first New Zealand one? Is it Taupo or is it? Taupo uh, 70.3 will be, that's definitely happening in uh, December. So, I mean, we've got racing in New Zealand already. So, yeah, there's no problem. The first Ironman branded one, it's that, isn't it? Uh, In New Zealand, yeah, but Australia's got racing starting from September, hopefully. Yeah, it's interesting. God, we live in interesting times. You can't give them a hard time about this one. They're doing the best they can in the situation. I do like the way that they've kind of spread it out. So, so oh, that's what I was going to say. So, we talked about last week. You know, what pros are going to get lost from the sport through this time, and it is going to be that second tier pro, mm. um, and maybe even some up and comers who, if they'd stuck at sport, you know, we could see potential stars mm. of the future. So, if they can kind of disperse that money a little bit more fairly and evenly, because let's be honest, the top guys are going to get through this time okay. Exactly. You know, admittedly, it's not nice to have to take pay cuts, but um, the second tier, you know, the up-and-comers, oh, it's pretty tough. It's pretty grim. Pretty grim out there, John. We had lots of Swift racing over the weekend, and Alp to Swift. Yeah, so this was, uh, I was looking forward to seeing this. It didn't end up being overly exciting for, for the pro athletes but for, for people who haven't don't follow Zwift, uh, Alpe de Zwift is the equivalent of Alpe d'Huez and so they had the, what's called the Z Pro Tri-Series uh, and so they basically have a bit of a lead into the climb and then it's a, a hammer fest up the climb that takes you know around about 35 to 45 minutes uh, depending on um, how, how hard they went and whether they were males or females. Uh, as it turned out, Alistair Brownlee was right up there again and then he had equipment failure and this is one of the challenges of Zwift if you don't have a fantastic internet connection. I had um, two dropouts last week. I did a, a race on Friday, a Norseman race and luckily I crossed the line and about two seconds later Zwift crashed on me uh, and I'm not criticising Zwift, it's just these things happen it's technology but in a race how many of the field do you see drop out um Brownlee's had two dropouts out of uh, about the but last in a race three is it a quarter of the field get dropped out or is no it? no it's, it's only a handful okay. I think it's if you've got a crappy internet yeah. connection um, if your watts go to zero you're out the back door really really quickly if you're an age grouper and you're just doing a Zwift race for some training if it just happens once you can get back in the swing of things, but if you get a couple of zeros and you're in a group, it is game over, Rover. Mm. Uh, so Alistair Brownlee was right up there pushing along with um, Lionel Sanders and Anthony Costas, and then Brownlee dropped out and, and Sanders went along to, to smash it out, and Lucy Charles took out the females race. Uh, so that's the end of that series, so we'll see if we get some more Zwift racing. Um, hopefully we'll get some racing out on the road. Also what started over the weekend... Yeah, for, the, the, the virtual Tour de France... So what's that done on? Is it on Swift? It's on Swift as well, and they're doing again. People, some of you guys, I'm I'm telling you stuff you already know, but there's going to be six stages spread over the next three weekends. So oh, so they're not doing it like a tour, like like, like not two weeks of. No, no, it's just going to be. It's just a. More than anything, it's a bit of promo, um, yeah. and it's got all you know. All the teams are racing, not necessarily all the good riders. It's a teams-based competition, not an individual one. So you accrue points. Uh, is there much interest in it? 
well, that was kind of came. Everybody knew it was kind of coming. Like there was lots of whispers and rumblings. Oh, there's going to be some sort of uh, Zwift Tour de France type thing. And then all of a sudden, it just boom! It happened like last week. Mm. And I was like, oh. So I um, uh, running alongside that, they have an age group. Uh, what's called Le Tap. So if you don't oh, know yeah. what Le yeah. Tap is, uh, they do that in the Tour de France, and it's basically a, a gigantic gigantic age group uh, race they have Le Tap and Marmotte and it basically follows the sort of the queen stage of the Tour de France each year they'll have I've ne- I don't know the exact numbers but it is thousands Tens and of thousands, thousands yeah. of riders that yeah. do it uh, and so they did that over the weekend as well uh, the race I, I did it and the race that I did uh, there was 1,300 people. Other races, there was up to sort of 3,500 people doing it at one time. So really cool to see. The pro racing was uh, good. It's totally different. Like when you're doing a 40-minute race, you get totally different winners so than the, what you the, do. The, they're obviously not getting together in groups and doing the pack rides. Everyone's on their own bikes as the pros at their own homes. Yeah, uh, I think a few of them, there was a couple of twos and threes. And maybe tactics? Uh, it's just different. Work. It's it, it, it's good. It's just it's a different format of racing. It's like going, it's like, doing a super uh, Ironman athletes maybe doing super 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 league races so different strengths and weaknesses and you're not going to see your normal Tour de France winners uh, so the All Blacks playing the Australian rugby league team yeah sort of (laughs) sort of so it's good stuff Um, what I would say the difference commentators make is massive so I'd planned to watch this on Sunday morning uh, and I thought it was on Sky Sport which is our, our sort of sports channels over here Put it on. I was, oh, they, I was, so it's, okay, so it's going on Sky Sports. And, and I put it on thinking, this will be great. I'll watch this. I will have done my race and then I'll just stay on the train for a bit and watching it. And they had this guy who does, and I'm not criticizing the guy. I'm not trying well, to be nasty. Like you, uh, hey, I, I love you, but. Yeah. Um, it's just not the right person for the job. It'd be a bit like me doing commentary. I, I wouldn't be any good at it. You'd be good because you get excitable and stuff. Well, you need two people. You, you and I, well, because I am the excitable guy, but you're the. Yeah, but but he uh, but they just had one guy commentating. This was on the Sky coverage, and I was like, "This is horrendous." Oh, uh, really? And so I just thought, "I'm not even going to watch it." And then on Zwift.com, they had the regular Zwift commentators, a couple of them, fantastic, really good. Makes uh, it funny, isn't so, it? So that's so, amazing, yeah. isn't it? When you think about it, because it's the same coverage. Mm. You know, mm. and it makes sense. You know, the the commentators bring the kind of the spice to the game. Mm. You know, and if there's no spice. Exactly. So uh, I'm looking forward to the, the remaining races. It means that they're bringing out different courses uh, over the next couple of weeks. So good times. This time last year, we had uh, Challenge Rope was happening this weekend. And uh, Andreas Dretz had a great race under sub eight. Uh, Jesper Svensson and then Cameron Wolf came in third place. And the interesting thing here for, for Cameron Wolf was his numbers are red for the swim and the bike, which means this is on Torsten's tryrating.com. He was slower, slower than, than expected, expected yeah. but he came home in a 250, and that was a bit of a breakthrough for him. Uh, so just, just Firstly, to not see him having the fastest bike split, he, he rode a 415 compared to Andreas Streitz's 413, um, but to run a 250 was pretty impressive. But Aronauts, who was the winner, uh, I think, the previous year, what did he, what, what, no, he won in 2017, he won in 2017, uh, was fourth, Dave McNamee fifth on the female side. You see Charles Barkley took it out in a 831, look at that photo, that's a great photo. Got She's the, holding some of that beer, what is it called? Erdinger. Erdinger beer, it's, <laughs> it's a massive glass of beer. <laughs> She's pumped. It is, and she also had a fantastic run, winning with uh, 8:31, running a 2:59.42. So maybe that was the first time she went under three hours. Uh, so good on her. One thing I was, you say about Lucy Charles, you know, the typical statement you say about triathlon is you you, you can't 
win the the race in the swim you can lose it but she is one of the few athletes that actually wins events in the swim because her splits here are pretty much exactly the same as second place Sarah Crowley she rode a uh, 439 that's Lucy Charles Sarah Crowley rode about 40 seconds slower and then the run splits are only 20 seconds difference as well so but she, put, she put five minutes on in a swim, five and a yeah. half. Yeah, and that was her. Uh, she won by a little bit more than that, but that was basically won the race in a swim. Daniela Blaheimer was in third, and she she won that year. We were there twenty. Yeah, that's when Lucy cracked, wasn't it? Was it twenty eighteen? Twenty eighteen, it was. Yeah, she caught it down when. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, that was when they had that really, really close finish. So, good stuff. That was wrote this time last year. Uh, we've also we've got, we'll have a link on our show notes because um, Challenge put out a link to the 2016 coverage. So, if you want just something to watch on the trainer this week, uh, there's a YouTube clip of 2016, and that was the year when Jan Fredino absolutely smashed the crap out of it and set the fastest ever time which still stands over the iron 736 wasn't it sorry 736 wasn't it i think that's right and also (laughs) you're watching it watch out for and that included a crash on the bike leg i know the exact corner they did it it's a 736 john yeah and so let's i was just thinking then it's amazing how fast the girls are nowadays you know lucy charles great race 831 Mm. You know, back when we first started the show, I was like, how many girls can get under nine hours? Mm. You know, but it's 7.36. Mm. And, and then the, the thing with, with the road course is the runs actually got a bit harder. Uh, so Although that, was that, was, that wasn't then, was it? 2016? Well, uh, 2016 still had the flat course. Yeah. Yes. So that, that was, you know, not quite, not, it's not, it was a little bit easier. Okay, uh, last year, this time as well, we also did I Am in Austria, traditionally another fast race, uh, but not that fast last year. No, so, but we had the, the, the athletes that performed extremely well are names that I'm really not familiar with, so we've got a couple of cracking names for first and second in the males. You can do them, John. Uh, Daniel Bakengard from Denmark, uh, he came home and won an 8.14, nine-minute victory over Sten... Gulster was from Belgium in 8.23 and David Plichet was in third and oh, it was a close finish, only six seconds in it. Oh. And then on the female side, we've got uh, Daniela Reef took it out. She was, looks like she was sort of cruising, uh, did an yeah. 8.52, only coming home in a 3.08. Uh, Maybe it was a tough day because Austria is one of the fast ones, isn't it? Yeah, but she was under no pressure. No, no, but just overall. <clears throat> overall, yep. You know, because first place got 18, 814 in the men's race, mm. but then second place, 825. Mm. Now, admittedly, they're not names that are rock stars that we know of, but Austria is one of those ones where, remember that time we were in Rote with the girls, and they, they beat the record in Rote one day, and the next day in Austria they break. beat again. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so first was Daniela Reef, second was Bianca Stora, and third was Heine Hartekainen from Finland. Tell you what, John, this next piece of news is really sad news. So uh, there's a lady by the name of, uh, I'm going to say, Cho Suk Hyun, a South Korean triathlete, killed herself after abuse. Uh, did you read the article? Yeah, shocking. Oh, it's absolutely shocking. So just abuse, like uh, physical abuse, kind of um, mental abuse. And she's only 22, the poor kid. 22 and was brought into the national program. And uh, it sounded like they had beatings and things like that. I mean... Crikey dick, it's a bit of a bit of a strange one. So Tell you what, have you watched that documentary Athlete A on... No, but I've been told you sh- everybody should do. Oh, I watched it, I watched it on last, what was it, Sunset, oh, maybe Friday night. We, Joe and I started watching it, Joe was a bit late, Joe was like, oh, I'll, 
I'm going to go to bed. And I thought, oh, I'll watch 20 minutes of it or end up saying watch the whole thing. It's just despicable. Mm. Just the, the worst thing about it is the guy's a creep. Obviously, the guy's, you know, a, a horrible person. But just the sweeping under the carpet, mm. just absolutely despicable. And um, you just think, how do you let people, how can you be in a position of power and think holding the stigma of your, or the prestige of your organisation is more important than sexual abuse of, of the people in the organisation. Yeah, it's a shocker. How do you, how do you defend the, the person who's the creep? Mm. You know, you're just absolutely disgusting. And um, the, the documentary, obviously a lot of this stuff's all happening, so the guys mm. who are behind the organisation seems to be in the c- criminal process right now. But throw the book at them, man. Like, Because mm. like, basically there's one girl, and she was meant to be going to the Olympics. They didn't pick her, and it was, it was pretty suspect why they didn't pick her, because mm. she basically complained about him. She didn't go to the Olympics. Um... They didn't do anything about it. So he goes on for another two years and keeps just abusing these girls. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely, just despicable. And you kind of think, like, the kids need to roll in this organisation. As well as the South Korean organisation. That's as what well. I mean. Well, that's what I mean. This, yeah. You know, like, and like with the Nike running um, organisation, mm-hmm. you know, like, I get it. Coaches have to challenge athletes. And there's a level of expectation and a level of times we have to be hard on people. I get it. Mm. But there is a line. Um, and I think one thing that is, uh, I remember one time I was really disappointed in myself. So I was at doing a, a, I sometimes, I don't do it so much nowadays, but when I was younger, I used to go to schools and teach fitness classes to schools. And I was at school one day and there was a basketball coach who was an adult, you mm. know, older than me. And he, he threw a ball at a kid's face. And, oh. Yeah. And not not in a fun way. Like it was, yeah. it was abuse. And I didn't say anything. And I, 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 eventually I did. I went, a lady I know who's a teacher, I went and said something to her. But it's up to us. Mm. You know, it's, it's up to us to kind of go, you know what? This is not good enough. Because mm. people in that organization, in, in this South Korean organization, people in the FAA organization, the American Olympics uh, Gymnastics Committee, we see these things and we think, oh, should I say something? Mm. And I know that day when I walked away from there, I was like, you know what? I let that kid down because I saw it mm. and it's not good enough. Um, and after the fact, I went and said something, but I probably should have just gone up with that guy and kind of said something. Mm. And I get it. We don't want to be, it's, no one wants to confrontate, have confrontation and all the rest of it. But it's it's those little moments when you let shit like that go that leads to bigger problems. And this poor kid, 22, mm. you know, going to a sport where we want to make, you know, triathlon should be a great thing in your life not abuse so just you know for all of us when you see those little moments where you know you kind of go is that right maybe we should put our hands up a bit more because it's you know this is the worst thing about our sport Mm, totally you know so sad sad news okay uh john coming up this weekend yes so we have the ironman virtual reality series kicking back off so last week i was sort of saying i don't really know what's going on here later in the week they said we are gonna kick things off again and have weekly championship and challenger sort of series and also adding in a classic so each weekend there's going to be a race on ruby or you can go out and do it under your own devices outside but then you're not part of the championship one so it's a mixture of olympic distance races and a couple of halves Uh, they're going to have two sort of series and there will be slots up to the for the theoretical 70.3 world champs it's not I don't think they're really pushing that as much now because who knows where the hell and when it's going to be um, so it's more about just keeping people engaged having a competitive environment if you want to go in the championship one and uh, it's interesting they haven't put that out there because I've said Kona's happening yeah true 
You yep. know what I mean? And like, we know New Zealand's opened. Mm. You know, so we know that if borders are open by, like they're thinking people can get to Kona by February. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, I'm, who knows what the do hell's going to happen. Do you think Kona's going to happen? Probably not. No, I don't. No. You yeah, not at this moment. It seems we're seeing the second wave. Mm. So I think this is great, these these events. I think you use them as training. Um, if you want to stay motivated, racing every weekend is not really a realistic uh, thing to do. Um, but if you sort of pick and choose and do them as a good brick session, as I've said before, I think it's cool. The Ruby platform looks um, great. I haven't done that much riding on it, but I do like the, the riding that I did do. I like it because you're sort of more virtual reality riding on the roads. Um, so good on them. Virtual reality riding on the roads. Hmm. The world's changed, John. It changed. Hey. Righto, John, let's look at this I, week's discussion. We want to know your bucket list race. If you could actually, I'll, I'll put out the challenge now, Bevan. Here we go. So I'm, I'm going to be do, organising this in the next week or so. We're going to do an I Am Talk Kona special event. And you, you can take part in this, Bevan. Actually, I'm, I'm encouraging you saying you need to take part in it. Well, what so what we're going to do okay, we go. on... Where did this come from? It's in the show notes. It's on the show notes. Just out of just nowhere. it on you. I haven't quite organised it yet. I was, I've sort of got the, started building the blocks. Um, on Kona weekend, we're going to do a virtual AM Talk race. We'll have two time zones, oh, maybe three. Yes. And you're going to run 5Ks. And then you're going to bike. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to choose the Mega Pretzel, which is on Zwift. How far is that? 107 kilometres oh, on Zwift. You can come down to the garage and we'll oh, get the bike set, yep. set up. We've got a spare kicker there for you. You can kick Thomas off his one. And then you've got to run. He'll be 20, upset with me. He will. You've got to run 21Ks off the bike. So it's basically doing a race oh. simulation. So the idea is I'll set up some rides on um, some meetups on Zwift. So I know not everybody's on Zwift. You get, well, I'll maybe have an alternate plan for people that are on Ruby. Uh, we'll have a, a, a time zone for the UK, somewhere in the States, and New Zealand. So there'll be three options. You basically have to run the 5K within 30 minutes of starting your Zwift ride. Then you do the Zwift ride, and then you run your 21Ks off the bike. So wait, you, the bike. Can, you can do 5Ks, have a bit of a rest, and then get on your bike? Well, you've got to allow a bit of time for setup and sort okay. of stuff like that to make sure everything's up and running. So it's got to be within 30 minutes. So 107K. 107Ks on Zwift. Ooh. It'll be non-drafting, so everybody will have to be on era, on, on TT oh, bikes. It'll help it. And it's quite a hilly course. I don't so have a TT bike. Yeah, well, we'll get your little Zwift, get your little free one-week trial set up on Zwift, or you can ride as Thomas, yep. uh, and we'll get stuck in. So I'll, I'm going to set it up so it'll be on like so 8 o'clock in New Zealand on Sunday, um, and I'll set up a time zone for America and for, for Europe, and then you can submit your times. I'll, I'll create a little Google yep. file. You can submit your times, and we'll have uh, some champions. Okay, so I am in talk. I am talk. This, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, I am talk. Kona World Championships. Let's do that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and what weekend? What weekend is it? It's going to be in October, so it'll be on Kona weekend, I think. Which Pretty, is what? It, I think it's October the eleventh. I think I have it marked down as. Okay. Hundred seven k. Yep. You go quite quick on Swift, so one hundred seven k's. It's a hilly course for you. Probably take three hours. I think I weigh maybe a little bit fifty more. kg. You're right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I was speaking to a guy, a guy the other day, and he was on. He's doing it on the what bike. He does a lot of swifting on the what oh, bike. Yeah. And he was having a ride before his mates. He was doing this kind of charity ride, um, or no, no fundraising ride. And uh, he was running for his mates. He's like smashing. It. He's like I'm just feeling good. Everyone's going. It's a hard ride. I'm smashing it. He had his boys profile in. Right. <laughs> so nice. The weight ratio was wrong. Um, okay. I like that. It's a good yep. plan. Yep. It's happening. 
tell you what, John, it could be the answer to this week's question. So this week's discussion <laughs> of the week, boys, if you could do one more race in your life, which one would it be? Now, obviously, it's going to be John's Iron Talk Kona World Championships, but yes. let's, let's get into it. Karen Telford's got one race only, not a hesitation in saying challenge route. Uh, hands down the best organised and awesome event. I raced in 2016 and again in 2019. I would love to go back again. The crowds, the volunteers, the events prior, and who can forget the epic finish line and the, clo- uh, the closing fireworks brings goosebumps even thinking about it. John Drummond, uh, no, no, Demand, says, any Ironman that would let my son and I participate in, I'm legally blind and to my knowledge, no father and son team has ever completed an Ironman. Nice. What do you mean, no son? I think he, yeah. Must be blind. Yeah, must be blind because you definitely had father and son. Because yeah. I remember, I think it was when we were in Kona one year and I went down to watch the 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 the, the late finish, the last finishes, and there was a couple of guys that were just coming in to finish and I think they were, and I interviewed them, I think, on the way and I think they were from Mexico and I think they were father and son. Yeah. So there's definitely been some father oh, and sons, father and sons. But, but certainly not um, blind. Or visually impaired. Uh, Nathan, Nathan, I'm going to say McCallagot. Uh, my old club race in Coffs Harbour, which was my first race. It would be good to reminisce what led to a life uh, what, what led to what it led to, and a good full stop. Nice, Joe Kneebone. You know, you know Joe. She was on uh, one of our rote uh, rote camps. Aussie Joe. Let me have a look at a photo. Anyway, Joe went on a bit of a roadie over to um, Patagonia just just after COVID kicked oh, off. Oh, Joe was lovely. Yeah, no, she's, Joe. She's stuck in in bloody and oh, Chile. really? She's been there for months. Really, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, it's, it's bizarre. She posts these uh, post pictures and stuff, and she's like in the middle of nowhere. It's it's crazy. Anyway, she said since I've been Joe was stuck, one of those ones who didn't really even know our show. No, didn't have a clue. Yeah. Now she's commenting on here. Yeah, good. Since I've been stuck in Patagonia for the last four months and not sure when I'll be able to leave, Pat- Patagonia man is the only option. Full IM distance for once. I could train on the actual course. That's out of it, eh? Imagine yeah. that months. Yeah, uh, Martin Waits got. Uh, I'd love to do Wales next year with a pal of mine. As a teacher, it's always on the first weekend of the school, new school year, and so getting time off on a Monday is possible, impossible. Sorry, happily next year it's a week later, and I have the time. But due to COVID, this year's entrance have been transferred to next year, so it's already full. Oh, that, that's interesting as well. A lot of races are going to be full already for next year. Absolutely. Uh, never mind. I'll have to wait. Uh, Barry Breffle, tough choice, but Wildflower would have to be right up there towards the top. Finally pulled the trigger on that uh, lifelong bucket list last year, only to have it cancelled uh, from under me. Um, we also had uh, Steve Dead Honest said Wildflower as well. Uh, Tash Wint uh, has got here I'm in Melbourne, if it was still around. I remember it wasn't a great course, but was it? People were raving about the I'm in. It was quite a just long, straight uh, the bike and the, the run was point to point, so it was kind of a little bit unique in that regard. It's yeah. very fast. and um, yeah, It was fast. Mm. Uh, Brown, did Ken Brown win it? Uh, he had that great race there, didn't he? he? No, he, he, I mean, he'd head with Crowey, and Crowey Crow, won it. Oh, um, okay. Brian Schwind and also Rebecca Jocelyn both said Alpe d'Huez long course. Um, I'm going to go Shane uh, Shrub. Uh, he's got Norseman, full stop. Robert Flynn, uh, the Hono 70.3 after Epic Camp Light for the third time already booked in for 2021. It is a great race, that Kona yeah, 70.3. Dawson, uh, Melissa Yuri, Matt Tench, uh, Zed, 
I'm going to say Antoine. How do you say that one, John? Uh, he's got here. The, oh, here, Norseman. Just back to back to back to back. Oh, uh, Declan von Deitz and the Absa Cape Epic. Not a triathlon, but still owned by Ironman. Seven days of racing mountain bikes through South Africa. The thing with this one, so the Cape Epic is, is the most famous mountain biking uh, race in the world, multi-day event. Um, with COVID there, everybody had rocked up and they literally cancelled it. I think it was the day before the race was due to start. Oh, that's a bugger. It was. Uh, Gail Harvey Hayward, escape from Alpha Jazz. Already, hey. Uh, I'll do. I'll try and find one more. Lots of Norsemen in there. Lots of Challenge Roth. Lots of Alp Duez. Um, Volk, of, Volk of the Vascular Viking Voits is arch to arch triathlon from London to Paris. Oh yeah. What about Peter Colson here? He's got one Pier One Sydney. Is that still race? Don't know. It's got your swim in the Sydney Harbour, harbour right alongside it, run over the Sydney Bridge. Uh, it was only a sprint race, not for many years, but it was one of the best. That does sound like a cool race. Mm. Swim in you know, Sydney Harbour. Sydney Harbour, to me, is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yes. You know, you've got, you got the Opera House, you've got the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Mm-hmm. You just walk around. I remember, first time I went to Sydney, I didn't go there. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing this conference in Darling Harbour. So I spent all my time in Darling Harbour and didn't even walk around the corner and see. And then a few, next time I went there, I was like, why didn't I come here last time? Because it's such an iconic world spot. It is indeed. Oh, what a cool place to do a race. So, John, what um, about you? My finalists, and I know you only have to make one choice, and that's what I said, but for me... Oh, it's okay for you then, is it? It's two rules. This is just just talking through my decision-making process. Uh, So in terms of long course, my finalists were Embraman, Lanzarote, Nice, and Wales. Lanzarote? Yeah, never been there. I just love the look of the pictures. It just looks cool. Is that where Ibiza is? Uh, Ibiza, I don't know if it's that on. No, I don't think... Anyway, it's close. Close. Yeah, Somewhere off Spain, Ibiza. Don't know my Spanish geography that well. No, neither. Um, but, the, but for me, if it was going to be long course, it would be Embraman. So for those that don't know about Embraman, it goes over you've the cold. Done, you've cold done the short course, haven't you? Done the short course, but it doesn't even remotely relate to it. So I've ridden over some of the mountains, but the reason I chose that one is it's just got multiple passes, cold Izzard, um, and a bunch of others, and it's just a bit more old school racing than really... Um, really super commercial so that would be my long course and short course would be choosing between Schlierzy which is a, uh, a very famous race in Germany I assume it still happens but a really gut busting race Escape from Alcatraz Super League but doing that somewhere warm wouldn't really be that interested in going somewhere where it's freezing cold uh, and also this is a bit of a random one my Sea to Sky Challenge which is a race I actually organise local race but I never get to do any of my local races and this oh, yeah. is a really hilly bike course and a stunning run, done it loads and loads of times in training, but never actually had a chance to race it. Um, so for me, if I was to pick a long course, it would be Embraman. If I was to pick a short course, it would be super doing a Super League race with a good field of similar sort of athletes. Mine would be Norseman. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the one race, not that I ever really looked at doing it, but that's just a cool race. You know, like long course, short course. I don't know, what, what, do we, what do you reckon? What do you, what do you say, short course Super League? Yeah, Super League, Escape from Alcatraz, Schlesi, which you won't know anything about, or the Sea to Sky Challenge. Oh, the um, City Sky Challenge? <laughs> yeah. Number one. <laughs> no, um, but it'd be cool just if there's any other sort of downtown events. You know, yeah, that's the thing. You want to do downtown. I'd like to do a downtown where it'd be actually um, Escape from Alcatraz. Because mm. downtown, it's got the kind of iconic aspect of the race. You jump off the boat, that'd be cool. You mm. do that Norseman as well, don't you? Yep. Um, but also, you got the top guys there. 
Mm. And I think if you want to do a race, you want to go where the, like the top dudes are there. Mm. So because up to I mean, it still attracts a good, uh, just a good, usually just a few random Americans. So it's not it's not, not quite what it used to be. Because Bevan Doherty won it, didn't he? He did. Andy Potts, people like that. So you normally get you know just a handful of good good ITU athletes. Yeah. So yeah, probably be that one. I want to. I just want to go Gail. Right. You know, I just nice. want to hang up, girl, because she's such a cool chick. Okay, guys, this week's discussion, it got sent through from Chris Doyle. Chris Doyle emailed us very enthusiastically, and he's got here, he's, he's sending me myself, I want to put the feelers out for the possibility of a worldwide age group triathlon association to uh, help get, uh, sorry, to help get it possibly going, maybe you get the idea of a question of the week. So the question is, would you have any interest in an age group triathletes organization association being established, i.e. something similar to the professional triathletes organization, so age groupers will have a voice with an Ironman, ITU, Challenge and other organizations. Why, why not, and what would you want the organization to do? There we go. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what people come back with. But maybe what we should put there is, would you be willing to put money into it? Mm-hmm. Because that's, yeah. that's a, you know, like a, if every race you did, you put a $10 fee into it, would you be happy with that? Mm, that I agree. Because you know, it's, it's, all, it's all good and thing to say, oh, let's do this, but someone's got to do the work. Okay, three, two, one. Age group of the week. week. Okay, this one was sent through from Mantinch and uh, Tish, sorry. And just, it's a pretty cool story, really. It's Very cool. young man by the name of, let me put up the website here. Uh, Chris. Nickick. Chris Nickett is looking to be the first ever Special Olympian to do a full distance Ironman. He's a, he's a pretty decent athlete. He's done lots of sports. He's done golf, swimming, track, basketball, and triathlons. But he, with the obstacle Chris has had to face, including open heart surgery, uh, he knows what it means to push past challenges in order to complete at your highest level. He has his sights set on completing several Ironman challenges from May through to 20 October 2020. He is currently training to be the first Ironman with Down syndrome, having already completed Olympic distance triathlon. He is using Ironman training as a part of his path to living independently. Fantastic. Oh. I mean, he was planning on doing it uh, this year. Obviously, that's all out the window in terms of any races. He was looking at doing it you know, some sometime around about now. So hopefully he's still making really good progress. And uh, whether or not he can do a late season race, if he's, d- he's down sort of that Florida way, then maybe some... You know, there's some Florida? Sp- yeah. Florida's screwed right now. I know it is. <laughs> but I'm in Florida and all that that are potentially scheduled for sort of November-ish time. Okay may happen, you know, a small chance, but otherwise hopefully he gets to tick this off uh, it is later interesting, isn't it? We, like, we, we often get the disabled athlete in our sport, as in like limbs and stuff, mm. um, special Olympic type, like Down syndrome. Oh, never never seen it anywhere. I, I mean, obviously the, there's maybe a few that have done short course, like Chris, who have done Olympic distance, but Ironman, it's a totally another beast. So uh, good on him for a setting the challenge, and good luck to bloody making it. Yeah. So, Chris Nikik, you are our age group of the week. week. Okay, John, we got an interview coming up. Who is it, Jombo? Kelsey Wilthrow. Listen she, in. Here she is right now. Okay, guys. Um, as we said earlier in the show, with today's interview, we've got Kelsey Wilthrow on. Uh, saw some fantastic results from her last year. I remember watching Ironman Australia when we had Laura Siddell and Caroline Stephen going head to head, and Kelsey was uh, nipping away at them from just behind. Also, she's had 
a couple of wins on the 70.3 circuit, um, plenty of podiums over the last couple of years. Um, and when we actually went to her website, and Bevan was looking at this last week, it, it's been a bit of a roller coaster since 2000, where Kelsey went to swim for Oakland University on a scholarship. Um, she then sort of got recruited into the triathlon team, and up and down since then with plenty of challenges, um, injuries, dealing with um, some coaching issues, uh, and then 2014, I went off and did some cycling, race pro as a cyclist. 2014, got hit by a truck told you'd never compete again um, but then turned that all around uh, and the last couple of years have had, had some fantastic results. Turned around after some pretty crap stuff happening as well so oh. it's, a, it's a journey it tell you. so you're a country western song. <laughs> welcome along to the show Kelsey. <laughs> hey guys thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah so um, I'm, I'm first always keen to, to find out a bit about university um, life and, and what sort of sports scholarships mean and stuff. We're based in New Zealand, we've got lots of listeners in Great Britain and in Australia maybe don't quite understand it. So you know, what was your, your deal when you, you got a, you know, a swimming scholarship and, and what does a, a swim program look like when you head off to university? Yeah, so I committed to sign with a D1 swimming school, and that's Oakland University. And basically, I mean, I got to swim on scholarship, so they paid a portion of my tuition. Um, and But I was only there for one year, so I didn't really get the full college experience. Um, but yeah, I got to swim one year, and I actually got to run a year as well at a different school. Cool. What, and, and I know you put on your website, then you sort of got recruited into a triathlon program. That was all the way back in 2000. And so for those that haven't been in the sport for, for that long, 2000 was the, <laughs> was the Olympics, um, the first Olympics in Sydney. And triathlon was in a totally different space to what it is now. So what, uh, I'm intrigued that you got recruited that early and, and obviously USAT or the universities were, were quite well organized. So how did you sort of get recruited and, and what did that sort of mean in terms of developing into a potential Olympic triathlete? Um, so yeah, basically I, so I grew up, you know, swimming and running and, um, I had a lady at a health club approach me and ask me if I had ever wanted to do triathlon. And I didn't even, even really know what a triathlon was. Um, but I like took her up on it and she kind of showed me her ways. And then I kind of realized pretty quickly that, you know, it's, it's triathlon was a new sport back then, considering that the Olympics, you know, 2000 was the first Olympics. Um, but yeah, so she, you know, recognized, um, some potential in me and then she got me hooked up with the right people. And those were the Olympic team coaches in Colorado Springs. Um, and so I attended a collegiate recruitment camp in 2001. Um, so this was after the Olympics and, you know, they, I trained there and they saw some potential and you, they knew I was going to swim a year um, in college first, but they said, as soon as that year is over, we would love to have you back mm -hmm. um, and kind of put you into the national team program and then in hopes to, you know, for me to qualify for the Olympics down the road in 2004 and 2008. Mm. And so Tell us about the, that sort of roller coaster that maybe started around about that time in terms of some of the challenges you went through on, on many different fronts. So maybe just talk us through, you know, injuries and, and everything else that was going on as you were sort of trying to make make your way as a, a triathlete and obviously still pretty young and, and just trying to figure out life, I guess. Yeah, I, 
I think I was 18 when I started the sport and I had never experienced any kind of injury um, before with like swimming, never had a shoulder problem or anything. And, um, you know, I was kind of on my way out with swimming anyways. Um, Mentally, I was just kind of done with it because I wasn't getting to my potential that I, or not my potential, but where I wanted to be in the sport. So when I found triathlon, you know, I was super motivated. Um, but when I moved to Colorado Springs within the first couple of days, I ended up getting in a bike accident and I broke my hip. And so that was kind of like the very start of my, you know, 20 years of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so being injured, you know, I, the initial is- injury was, you know, it was rough. I had to sit out and watch a lot of practices, which I was actually okay with because I was just, you know, just so pumped to be there. But I kept, I went through like a vicious cycle of just return injuries coming up because I, I would always push myself more than my body wanted to. And it was because I was in an environment where results mattered. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it kind of like I would just do, I would keep my mouth shut basically and just do the workouts and not complain about, you know, the injuries, which it's, it's really, really common, I think. So now, was it a pressure thing? Was it, was it an internal thing? What was it about? I think it was just an internal thing. Like I, you know, I was excited that for once in my life, like I felt that I was going to do something really great in the sport. And so I already had gotten like one dream of getting to train at the Olympic training center Um, And that was actually part of my dream for swimming, but was never good enough. And so when I finally got this opportunity, you know, you know, I'm like rubbing shoulders with Olympians and getting to train alongside them. And so for me too, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to complain. And like, I was the youngest one there by gosh, I think everyone was probably like in their mid twenties and I was like 19. So I just didn't want to be that girl or that, you know, that person that was holding everyone back or I didn't want to complain. One thing you have talked about is, is kind of the emotional abuse from coaches. And we actually, earlier on the show today, we were talking about a South Korean triathlete who killed herself. Due oh, to, man. Yeah, and it was pretty horrific. No, it was actually physical abuse. It was pretty horrible stuff. Can you explain what was happening and kind of just your internal experience around this? Because it's, it's obviously it's something that's kind of wearing its kind of head at the moment. Like people are kind of being a bit more aware this is happening in not just triathlon, but in all sports. So can you just talk us through your experience? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really upsetting. Like what happened with the South Korean triathlete. I just like, I feel like not enough people speak out when this kind of thing happens. And I think we're realizing now, like in not just triathlon, but in so many different sports that it's happening and just people just look the other way and it's really sad. And that kind of happened to me. Um, when I was at the training center, I ended up working with a coach individually there and things were starting off great. He like took me under his wing and I like was his, he like referred to me kind of as like his daughter, you know, like he cared that much. And, you know, right when he got my trust, um, things started to shift. And when I ended up getting a boyfriend is when, it took a turn for the worse. And then he, that's when like the mental abuse started <laughs> for a couple of years. Um, 
I mean, I was still injured during that time. I think that this was 2004 is when he started working with me. And all of 2004 and all of 2005, I just, I dealt with a lot of mean things said to me and sexually inappropriate things he said to me as well. And, you know, I told teammates and I told my parents and I also told staff. Um, and, you know, the guy was such a good liar that he like, I just, I had a meeting with him and some of the other staff and he totally flipped it on me. Like I was the person to blame and I was crazy. Mm. And so it was just a lot of years of like telling me I was worthless and I was stupid and injured and all that kind of stuff like that. You, you know, you don't want to hear that. Mm. <laughs> it like really ruined my mental. I mean, I'm still recovering from that from mm. then. <laughs> yeah. Could, I mean, it doesn't sound like you could have done a great deal more if you reported him to the authorities and so on. Is, is things changed at all between now and then? You know, if if you think you had your either had your time again, would the system be any different, or from what you know, is it still much the same? I wish my teammates would have spoken up, maybe because I mean, I just I I do wonder that I'm like, what could I have done differently? And it's like I told other coaches, but you know, I, they didn't believe me. Mm. Maybe I should have just left earlier, <laughs> mm. but you know, that, that coach ended up getting fired, um, not too long after I left Colorado Springs because he did it to another girl. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, you, you talk about so, how then he was fired. There's still scarring to this day. How do you work through that? How do you, how do you let go of the, how do you kind of work to a place where, cause that is emotional abuse and, um, it's, it's especially at such a vulnerable age and, you know, vulnerable time in your life. <clears throat> and then you kind of carry that with you. And so the, the way you self perceive, I imagine is that, mm -hmm. that kind of attached to it. So how do you work through that to a place where you can be a healthier place within yourself? I think within the last couple of years is where I've really, um, you know, kind of started to brush it, you know, to the side, but, and that's just because of, you know, having some of the results I've had, but until like 2017, when I had no results, I mean, that would pop into my mind. Like when I'd be racing, I would self-sabotage myself because I would think back be like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. You know, like, like good things can't happen to me. And that would be just, I would just repeatedly self-sabotage myself in races and even training, you know, like, I mean, I was so motivated, but you know, when you've been told you're not good enough and you won't ever be good enough, like that sticks in your head. Like, like it's hard to remember all the good comments that was ever made. And it's really easy to remember the bad ones. <laughs> and, and I imagine the experiences of not having races just reinforced all that negative thought you had about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I didn't race because I got in that accident in 2014. There was a couple of years where I didn't race. Yeah. But before that, I was like picking and choosing my racing because I was still injured. Mm. I uh, literally from that time when I broke my hip to 2015, I didn't have a pain-free day yeah. from injury. <laughs> uh, you've obviously turned things around the last couple of years. You've yeah. just had a really good string of results. Um, I, I noticed on your website you credit your boyfriend, um, Mike, for, for turning things around. Um, so how, yeah. did, how have you gone from being 
consistently injured, obviously having a major bike crash and being told you're never going to be able to race again, to turning it around to now, to having really consistent race. So I guess what have you done um, physically and, and what did he bring to the, the table to, to give you the confidence both in your training and, and also on the, the obviously the mental front? Yeah, it's been, it has not been easy. I will tell you that. Like even like I am so grateful for him and his coaching and everything, but it's been hard because it's been very eye-opening. I, you know, before I met him, or actually when I met him, I hadn't done any 70.3s yet. Um, I had was still doing the short course stuff before that. So I kind of thought, I kind of went into these first, that first season of racing with him, like that I was a lot better than I was because, because I bike raced. Mm. Um, and that was just, you know, my ego, which... I shouldn't have that big of an ego then, but <laughs> yeah. um, it got shut down really quickly. Like the first, you know, the first year and a half I was working with him, like I was very stubborn and I still am stubborn, but like Mike didn't have a background in triathlon at all. Yeah. Um, he was a sports, you know, he's a um, active release therapist and a strength trainer, but he came at the approach at a completely different, you know, completely different approach than what I've ever been taught. Mm. And that's like national team coaches, Olympic team coaches. And so it was really hard for me to, you know, go, you know, commit to that. But after enough um, last finish, last place finishes, you know, I finally, you know, he gave me the ultimatum to, you know, do triathlon as a hobby and get a real job. Um, or you need to commit 100% to being a professional. And that's what I don't think I've ever really done in my life. Like I've always like been, I put my foot in the door, but not fully committed. Um, and I think that's just, you know, the fear I had a fear of failing Mm. and, when I finally said, it took about a week after that, that conversation to be like, do I really want to give this a go? You know, I've been doing the sport for 15 years. Like maybe it's time I should just hang it up. And a lot of people told me to hang it up, (laughs) Mm. but, but I made the decision. I'm like, you know what? I love this sport. There's something about it. Um, I love being able to push my body and I need to give it a chance. Like I, I'm healthy right now. And that's the first time I can say that in, you know, 15 years. So I'm going to go for it. And as soon as I like committed to that, like everything changed, like my workouts changed everything. And then I started getting better results. Workouts changed, but what about your attitude? What changes about your attitude? I was just more committed to being a professional. Like I was trying not to let my ego get in the way of like thinking I know what's best for me. Um, and I still to this day have issues with that, but that's why we have coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really was sick of not succeeding in this sport and the thing, the way I was doing it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So for, uh, just in terms of a nuts and bolts, you know, training um, perspective, you obviously, I'm sure, know how other 
athletes train, how age groupers train, etc. Um, was there a massive shift in actually what you were doing with your training? Was it a, a really um, big mileage program? Was it sort of more shorter, sharper quality work, or is it was it something without giving away your trade secrets? Was it something completely different? Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, at first there was hardly any training because I was still like when I first started working with them, it was like. I had to slow down completely and pretty much start from scratch. Like we took all my weaknesses and that's what we focused on. So I was barely doing any biking, any swimming, any running. And I was working on strength because that has been the reason why I've been getting injured. Uh, it's just years of over use injuries. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, once I started getting, you know, more into the training, you know, it, it became, I started doing a lot of like, shorter you know harder intense efforts rather than like volume because I was used to doing volume and I love volume like that is I love going out for like six hours on the bike but that wasn't what he wanted me to do and so I just followed his plan and it was like a couple race simulation days um a week maybe or actually probably once a week and then you know just short intense workouts Mm -hmm. and then I started getting better what did, what did you have to learn as an athlete to go from the old way to the new way? What did you kind of learn about yourself and what did you have to change in your thinking? I just need to stop thinking I know it's best for me. Okay. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us are like that where we think we know or it's what we want to do rather than what we need to do. Yeah. Um, and that's been, you know, it's still hard. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, we still have little arguments about it, but he's usually always right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, you, you, you travel to some pretty exotic places. So if I'm looking at 2017, you had two wins, uh, one, two, three seconds, a uh, couple, maybe a third. You went to Oceanside, you went to Canary Islands, you went to Canada, you went to Ecuador, China, Colombia, um, pretty similar the, the next year, a few trips to China as well. Um, so I guess to, traveling to those races, is that to a degree sort of cherry picking going, okay, there's not as many good athletes there or do you like to travel to, to races? What's Why do you sort of go so far afield as opposed to, say, just doing US-based races? Um, well, since I decided to make this my number one source of income, that has become focused where I can go to get, you know, if I, where I can go to get the best placing Mm. and what is my best chance of getting, you know, the better price purse. So I go where, I mean, it's a gamble because you, you don't know people can put their name on the list and not show up. Mm. Yeah. So it's getting harder now, but, but yeah, I mean, I need to go where I can make money. And for me to race in a stacked field in the United States doesn't always work out in my favor. Hmm. So I kind of got to play play the game a little bit. Yeah, um, I've got to ask about 2019. You, you seem to stack quite a few Ironmans in there. You went Port Macquarie, you got, you got third um, in May. And then, oh, you, dear. then you went to Cairns and you got sixth there. Then you went to Canada, third oh. there. And then, but then you were sick in Wisconsin and uh, had a mechanical at the World Champs. But um, that's a pretty, uh, pretty heavy schedule. Was that sort of intentional or it just kind of just happened? Well, it wasn't intentional to do that many. I my main goal for 2019 was to make it to Kona, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I missed out on Kona by a slot in Australia in Port Macquarie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, man. And then so I'm like, okay, well, I'll do Cairns, which is a month later, which I was kind of worried that they were too close. But mm-hmm. I figured that, I, you know, after every Ironman, I take about a week off of, like, doing nothing, mm-hmm. which is... I think kind of unusual, like people like to add in like easy bikes or easy swims, but I just don't do anything. And so I feel like I can recover faster. So I'm like, I'll race one month later. Um, but I do, (laughs) it cans didn't go very well, unfortunately. Um, and then I had, I think I had a couple months between that and Canada maybe. Um, yeah. And so then, you know, I had a good training block into Canada and ended up getting my slot in Whistler, which was awesome. And then I don't even know why I did Ironman Wisconsin. Now that I think about it, (laughs) I think it was because (laughs) I, I was sick in that race anyway, so I didn't even finish. And then, yeah, it was a real bummer when I had some mechanicals in Kona because that was, that sucked. Mm. Um, So, So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was a solid season. Still, so really, only I did a couple Ironmans. <laughs> but then you came back, and I think you had uh, 270.3 wins later in the season. So uh, a nice way to finish the year. Yeah, I had some something to prove after that. Nice. What was it like? What was it like? To just like I know you won your first race in 2018, or was that your first race run in 2018? Uh, 2017. Okay, what's it like? When you you know because you've you've had this long journey bloody roller coaster ride along the way, um, just you know what does that mean for you? The first one, yeah, or all of them? All your ones. Well, the just, first one. Yeah. Well, the first one just was the biggest because I, I don't know. It was like after seventeen years of no, yeah. like I think I've been on like one podium maybe in a pro big pro race, and so. When I went into that race, my parents got to come. It was in Victoria, Canada, um, and they had never seen me race a 70.3, and I wasn't seated to podium or anything like that. And, you know, when I finished it, I mean, I just was in complete shock. I could not believe that this great thing just happened to me. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of emotion <laughs> mm-hmm. for just all the crap that I went through. So it just means so much in that years. moment, doesn't it? It, oh, I, I, it still to this day just like chokes me up thinking mm. about it. Yeah. So yeah, it was special. <laughs> so um, obviously, twenty twenty, we've got no idea what's going to happen later in the season, whether or not we have any racing or, or we don't. Um, have you sort of got any plans in place for later this year, start of next year, if the racing happens? And, and what, 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 you know, what's your sort of plan for the next couple of years when we do get back to a bit more normality? Is, it, is Kona the big goal? Is it just to be an accomplished professional and, and doing what you're doing now in terms of going around and making money from races? So what's the sort of game plan over the next um, 12 to 24 months? Um, so if racing resumes, you know, I'll, I'll still race 70.3, but my heart is with Ironman, you know, it's, I haven't quite figured out how to race it well yet, like put all the pieces together. And yeah, I've like probably not finished half of the ones I've done, but I think that that will be my distance, um, over time. And so I want to, you know, I want to go back and give Kona another shot. Mm. 
And, um, and during lockdown, I know you've been doing lots of Zwift racing, I see, um, doing the Z Pro Tri-Series. Have you had any particular focus during this period? Like, have you specifically worked on your, your biking and just gone ballistic? Or are you just sort of trying to maintain a good level of fitness and waiting to see what's around the corner? Yeah, I, I guess I've been really working on, like, that high-end, you know, bike fitness. Um, I haven't hadn't been doing any swimming because of lockdown and then you know my running I wasn't really I guess I wasn't really focusing on it so yeah just a lot of intensity on the bike and I'm glad to have those whiff races because I need competition in my life and so to have that and to be able to race with you know my fellow pros you know that was that was nice to have just uh who, who do you want to plug what are your plugs what one are my what plugs my in plugs? who do you want to promote What's, oh, okay yeah like, sponsors like, you know like, like sponsors oh um so sunto team sunto's i've been on this is the second year i've been with them and they have been wonderful to me especially during this lockdown time um and my coach mike of course who continues to put up with me every day (laughs) (laughs) and if people want to follow you what's the best way to do that i see uh, Uh, instagramming oh my gosh so funny story just real quick you guys don't click on links in your direct messages on instagram because i just got my instagram hacked and stolen and then sold really yeah and so yeah so my whole following that took me six or so years just was gone oh. in one yeah so i just can you get it back can you can you claim it week. back can you go to instagram and- i tried i tried i contacted instagram and no, nothing back and apparently, apparently like it's been this kind of hacking has been going on all around the world lately Jeez. and so i'm just dumb to click links mm. but wow. yeah so my new instagram is uh kelsey underscore with row one Okay. And yeah, it would help if you guys followed me. <laughs> well done. Uh, um, we, I love interviewing people like yourself. I've seen your name and results a few times. Didn't really know too much about you, so uh, you're on the radar now. So we'll be keeping a close eye when oh, racing thanks, uh, comes back on. So all the best. Hopefully, you get some uh, racing later on the season. If not, we'll uh, oh, thank you. see you out there next year. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great to talk with you guys. Awesome. Brilliant. Thanks. Okay, John, uh, we've done that interview before we've done this part of the show, so we don't really know, but I'm sure it was absolutely amazing. Uh, John Bo, let's do Winger of the Week. Right. Give me a number, 1 to 100, Bevan. 1 to 100. I'm going to say... Go, go somewhere in the, the, the lower end of the... Somewhere between 50 and 100 today. Okay, I'm going to say 63. 63. No reason, it just came in my head. 63. Sean Dooley. Do it, Dooley. Dig it, Dooley, I think it is. Nine hours thirty-three uh, biking, five hours forty-nine running. He's from. There's a couple of doolies. I think they're brothers, but so I can't remember which one this is. But he's from Denton, TX. Denton in Texas. He got a good, good. Tell you what, my wife would love that puppy. Got a nice little puppy. Got a daughter there. Obviously takes her out like, riding. So okay, he likes his dogs. He likes his family. He likes coffee. Doesn't like training. No, <laughs> he likes training his home. <laughs> And he's got a bit of a pro, pro. I know he's been nice and consistent. Some really good training through July. It's been June, July. The last couple of weeks have been his two biggest weeks of the year. 
And if we look at a side-by-side -side comparison with me, in the last uh, four weeks, he's been averaging seven runs per week. Nice work. Nice. Uh, and then on the biking front. John, he, you know and I, we rave about how fast we are now running. Yeah. Well, he's done a K in 30 seconds. Nice. So I tell you what, he's he's winning the I Am Talk Running Challenge. <laughs> yeah. The, the Strava <laughs> Challenge because... He's, he's obviously an Olympian. He's been averaging six rides a week for 204 kilometres, two kilometres less than me over the last four weeks. And let's see, zero swimming. Swimming's obviously not happening in your neck of the woods. So, Sean, pretty sure it's Dig It Dooley. Nice work. You are our wanger of the, of the week. week. Love it. Love the photo of the dog too. Got to just give it a, a small amount of love. I just noticed the person who was leading, who was uh, this last week, Andrew Gilmore, He's just been running, so he's not even doing biking or swimming. And he's leading running. Well, he's done five activities for 34 hours. Oh. And it, I looked at I was trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. And he started running in Calais, which is in the northern part of France, where you often get the ferries that go from Calais to, to, to Great Britain. And he looks like he's sort of running point to point towards, I, don't, I can't even figure out where he's running, but he's basically running across Paris. Didn't do any training since lockdown obviously started. So from the start of June, basically June was a complete write-off. And then all of a sudden, he's just gone ballistic at the start of July and looks like he's running across bloody France. So good luck to you if that's what you're doing. How long do you reckon it take you to run New Zealand? If the way you did on Epic Camp. Well, if you, it's about, it's about 2,200 kilometres. So what would you average? Probably 50k a day. Yeah, if that. So take a fair old while. What was it? You'd have to. So, yeah, about 2,200. You'd probably do it slightly more direct than that. But, yeah, you wouldn't want to be running more than 50Ks a day, I wouldn't have thought. I mean, you, who knows? I certainly wouldn't want to. So about 40, what, 40, 45, 40, 45 40 days, days, something yeah. like that. Do it under 50. Someone's, made, someone's done it. Oh, hell yeah. Lots of people have done it. <laughs> hell yeah. yeah. It's, it's plenty, Every man and his dog's done it. plenty of crazies out there. <laughs> Plenty of crazy. I think that um, Lisa Tamari did it. Sure and I she remember did. she did it and she was trying to do it as a fundraiser and, they were, and I remember I felt really sorry for her because they kind of weren't raising any money. Mm. And and um, even on the news, the guy who was kind of backing her was like, come on guys, <laughs> support her here because she's killing herself and mm. she's not really. So that was a bit unfortunate. John <laughs> Swimset. Almost forgot been, about I've been getting it. like 50 emails a day. I've been getting 200. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more swims here. Haven't even written it down, so I've got to try to remember. What we did this morning, we did a 600 warm up, which was 100 meters freestyle, 100 meters individual medley without but one arm butterfly, and then 100 meters. One arm butterfly? Yeah, just, I mean, 100 meters into your swim, probably don't want to be busting out butterflies straight away. So more is just like a. Just, just do one arm butterfly, and then you swap arms at halfway. How do you do one arm butterfly? Well, you just spin one arm around and keep the other arm out the front. How do you kick with butterfly? You do like a dolphin for kicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it doable? Does it feel weird? It's just sort of, it's more like a drill than anything. But yeah, just didn't want to build blind. So you say you can come out. and give it a try? Yeah, exactly. You oh, can do yeah, it I'll, the same be, I'll be the next Tuesday. October the 11th. Come and do it. On, we'll have an Ironman day. The only thing I'm happy about with your Ironman day is we're not swimming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think I'll add a swimming. Um, you could so, do an optional swim. We could. You could do the run for people who haven't got a pool mm -hmm. or the swim. I'll have to think about that one. Okay, I'll, just I'll put that to the committee. Yep, to the committee uh, so of anyway, John. 600 warm-up, 100 freestyle, 100 metres I am, 100 metres 50 kick, 50 drill, nice. twice through. What drill do you do? I do a little bit of uh, one-arm drill. Yep. I do a little bit of uh, zipper, so you're sort of sliding your thumb up to oh, your yep. armpit. Yep. And then we did a main, one main set of 300 metres steady and 250s sprints. 
three times through. So that was 1,200 metres. Oh, there's a gap between them? Yep, have a little gap. How long is the gap? After the 300, we probably had about maybe 30 seconds rest. And in the 50s, we were doing on the 60. So you had, I don't know, 20 seconds rest or so. And those 50s were were sprints. 100 metres easy. And then our second main set was six times 200. I think we did them on 3.15, just sort of doing them at a moderate intensity. 200 metres warm down, job done, 3.3 kilometres. Nice. Thank you for all the emails of support we've oh, been getting you. with Just regards to. Just don't send any more, guys. I'm sick of it. <laughs> you know, I, I've got I, I get enough emails in my life out the emails about John swim sets. Okay, John, let's talk about our patrons. No other questions and answers. So let's talk about our patrons. First of all, we got Robert, the mighty Flynn. We've got Sarah, the Sarah Candy Foss, oh. Candy Floss, <laughs> Can- Sarah Candy Foss. Candy Foss. <laughs> and then we've got Craig Brighthouse. No, Brighthouse. So, John, you don't you can't remember his nickname. Well, I can't, but I'm almost positive I can. I didn't write it down in my little spreadsheet, but then I looked at Craig's picture and he was running along in a Stormtrooper tri-suit. Whoa. Looks very cool. And he had the matching Stormtrooper hat as well. Yeah, uh, so, it was a tri-suit. Yeah, well, he must have got them custom made. Oh, uh, wow. It was it, from a company that looked like it was called Epix, E-P-I-X. And the helmet's the same? No, he was running, so he had the, a cap, but a matching cap like a Stormtrooper. It was just a, you know, a designed cap. It looked pretty cool. It's a nice work, Craig. So I'm pretty sure I gave you a nickname as Stormtrooper. If you had to go to a party, John, dressed up as any Star Wars character, who would you go as? Uh, I'd say a Stormtrooper. I'd be like Craig, I reckon. Oh, really? I'm trying to think of what other characters you'd go as. Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> It'd be pretty inconvenient. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when they remember they did Jabba the Hutt. Oh no, no! On Return of the Jedi, here we go. I don't know what they were called, but the the guards which had the big tusks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that goes yeah. one of them <laughs> with <laughs> dribble coming out your mouth. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. I guess. What about Luke you? Skywalker. Oh great! <laughs> one of my runners, he's right into it. There's a the fifth force or whatever it is, um, and he's got like he's got an outfit which probably cost him over. Couple of thousand bucks. Mm. He's gone hardcore. Crazy. Yeah, he's, he's, but he loves it, and they do all this charity work. It's really cool. Kids love it. Okay, uh, if you want to become a sponsor, <laughs> to let, let us know. But if you want to become a patron, you can go to www.amtalk.me and donate some of your hard-earned money our ways, and you get a gift. You go and draw to one trip to Conan with the boys, and you support the show. I want to get your email down the front of the front, front page of imtalk.me. Just put your information in uh, for coaching, coachjohnnewson.com, for my website, bevanjamesisles.com. Got that interview with the All Black Coach, which is pretty bloody brilliant, so you can check that out. Uh, other content, you can email imtalkpodcast.gmail.com. Just don't ask about John's swim sets. Yeah. John, you goss. Uh, what's been happening? Did the uh, tap race, like I said uh, earlier in the show, it was pretty pretty tough race. It went over the mountain route, which is like a 20-minute climb, and then you have this kicker at the top which was pretty bloody challenging uh so that was all good had my birthday yesterday oh aging up next year bevan are you 44 now i'm 44 so that means when we click over january 1st age is taken from the 31st of december well you better be doing an iron man next year then should we go next year well the thought has crossed my mind and it's happening (laughs) it's happening it's on i guarantee it because what's happened is a we're probably going to go to open next year Mm -hmm. so that's that works out well b you'll probably have to qualify well, that's the thing. The only place I'd qualify would be at the Kona 70.3, so I'd have to win the age group, and um, which is not inconceivable, but if some rock star turned up, then it might be a little bit of a struggle. But, might uh, have more slots because there might be less races? Well, no, because if, if there's no February, all of last year's slots will roll over to next year, so oh, I don't, don't think so. Who knows what the hell's going to happen. C, you know you want to. Mm. B, F, 
Is he D? Yep. D, you need some sponsors to pay for it. Yep. E, um, you need Belinda to help. Well, and then we also may well, we'll probably be over there in October. We're not really thinking about February because it doesn't really fit in no, for no, us. So no, we, no. we were supposed to be there this year. So maybe there anyway. So the thought has crossed my mind. F, Certainly have I, have not committed to it. Have I done it. F? I've done F. Are you aging up? Am aging up. Don't know if that makes it that much easier. G? You've got to be done at some you stage. You haven't done it well. And yeah, you haven't done it well. They've also now got the wave start, so I said I wouldn't go back to Kona until they did oh, something yep. like that. H H H. I'll have my support crew there. there. That's right. Can, Any eyes? And they, well, they may. Here we go. It's happening. The, the new with the new structure they were saying about all the different being a bit more self-sufficient on the course. Yeah. Maybe they'll allow to have special needs. Anybody can hand you a drink. Like you could just run along with me and be my drinks boy. That's right. I'm your drinks boy. Yeah. J J. Dave Dwan will be over there. He's, Dave Dwan's arriving back in Kona today. <laughs> we get 26. <laughs> yep, Dave's going to be in Kona, so I'll have that special support Do you think Dave Dwan's well. a bit screwed coming back to the country they might make him pay? Uh, I think he hates winter so much he doesn't really care. Okay, that's good times. I think we'll stop there, John. But I, I, here's my prediction. John's doing Kona next year, team. There's the announcement. The thing is, I'm not doing Ironman New Zealand to qualify, so it would have to be in Kona. I've got too much on during that time of the year, so not going to happen. Okay. There you go. Uh, what else is happening? Not too much else, Bevan. Just did your kids have your race? Did they second level race? When's that? No, they haven't. Uh, or did they? No, I think Great that period. was a few weeks ago. They, they won. No, uh, no, no, no. The, the champs. Camps. No, that hasn't happened yet. Mm. So outside of that, Bevan, no, just trucking along. What's happening for you? Well, on Saturday night, John, we had a midwinter Christmas. Mm-hmm. A degustation, you could say. Right. And so what happened was everyone was maybe eight couples mm-hmm. turn up and it's you don't you don't bring shitty food it's pretty high level stuff right. so you're not doing the cooking definitely not <laughs> no. and joe puts a lot of thought into it like yeah. joe's thought about this for a couple you know she's done some trial runs and stuff mm. like this and i'm pretty sure everyone else has now you, you expect there'd be one bad meal mm. you know you expect, but no john everyone delivered that's good john i ate for four hours non-stop great it really was yeah. just non-stop eating because basically what would happen is you do your dish someone would do the dish you turn up First of all, you turn up, they didn't have nibbles, thank God, because you didn't need it. Because let's be honest, when you go to a party, how much do you eat your nibbles? Yeah, you go crazy. You do go there's, <laughs> if there's the reduced cream dip there, oh, and salt and vinegar chips, it's like... When I go to the tailor's house, they do two bowls of dip because they know I'm coming. Mm. Oh, I love my dip. Oh, love it's it. It's a kiwi thing. It's a can, of, a little can of reduced cream, and then you put an onion, uh, a dehydrated onion um, mix in it yep. with a bit of lemon. It takes two seconds to do it. It's God's it's food. beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And then with chips. Oh. And you're a fiend for chips at the best oh. of time, aren't you? Stop it. <laughs> Seriously, you just, yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. So normally you go to a party, you eat way too much before even dinner. Mm. Luckily we didn't. But then for the next four hours, so we arrived at five. I think we left just before 11 and pretty much eating the whole time. Nice. And it's one of those things. Now, Millie, luckily each dish wasn't too big. Mm. But you, you, because everyone put so much effort in, you had to make sure you eat your whole dish. Mm-hmm. So, John, I ate like as a trooper. I bet you did. So I went for a long run on Sunday afternoon. That's good. <laughs> Got out, did a long run. Oh, I do like food. Good. I love food too. If you were gonna, if you were gonna go to a degustation, what would you make? It's a good question. I'll tell you what, I'd lo- I'd, I'd try to make is I never made them before creme brulee. It's a it's a it's a, mm. a risky game that one, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, but that's a, what I would try to make. Because I've watched I was, those cooking shows. I would conveniently do plenty of trial runs. You'd have to, wouldn't you? Mm. 
but it's the old when we go to camping with porno uh, the Ludemans, they do the creme brulee occasionally, and they have the old gas fire. From oh, yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah, oh. get, get the get <sighs> exactly. Love a good creme. Love, love a good creme brulee. So do I. It's just not enough of it. Mm. You know, you need to. You know, this is when you go to like smorgasbord of creme brulee, you get about three or four, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, John. And another, another news: my hamstring. I was able to run last night. My hamstring was a little bit better, so I've been a week without running. I didn't know your hamstring was. What was wrong oh. with your hamstring? Screw my hamstring. I was almost out for two weeks of no running. So I was, uh, do you do strengthening? Uh, yes, I do strength. I was just I gave it a bit of rest last week and. No, but normally do you do strengthening? Uh, yep, a bit. Oh, yep. Again. What do you do for strengthening? Uh, well, Kylie, uh, I'm not calling a hot check. No, the She's Colonel. Colonel's given me some some more exercises to do. Uh, Swiss ball, pull yep. in. Yep. yep. And so that's good because this week is. Do you do the full back one, the full forward one? That's hard. That. Is very difficult. So for those that don't know that, yeah, you kind of clamp s- your feet sitting in. up on your knees. So your your feet are flat on the ground, and you're on your knees, and you kind of got to slowly go forward. Yeah, you need something to hold your feet. Massive down. load on your hamstrings, so oh. you have to be very careful doing that one. I'm a bit like you. My hamstrings are my one weakness. Mm. It's kind of like my Achilles heel. Yeah. So outside of that, Bevan, we we'll wrap it up. We've got to go do our interview, and we'll be back next week. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.